I'm Crystal Keating, and this is the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast. Each week, we're bringing you real conversations about disability and finding hope through hardship and sharing practical ways that you can include people living with disability in your church and community. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or find us at johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Tara Groff, who's experienced God's sustaining love and care through over 30 years of living with schizophrenia. Welcome to the podcast, Tara. It's an honor to speak with you today. Thank you for having me. I am just very appreciative to catch a glimpse of the many ways you all are serving, and it's a sweet privilege to be a small part of that in this moment. Absolutely. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time, especially when we were able to speak with Dr. Todd Stride from the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation in our first season, caring for someone with schizophrenia. And you had shared your testimony at the CCEF conference, and we were able to use that as a bonus episode. So I know a little bit about your story, but it's an honor to actually speak to you directly to ask you a couple more questions. Really appreciate it. Indeed, indeed. Well, Tara, you're a married woman. You're a homeschooling mama of two little ones. And I know you're deeply connected with your church in Pennsylvania. I think you've been a member there for 17 years. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. what, What a gift. And you've been living with a diagnosis of schizophrenia since you were a young woman. I'd love if we could start this conversation by sharing about your experience with schizophrenia and the way this has impacted you through the years. I know it's impacted you personally and it's impacted your relationship with others, even your relationship with God and the church. Most definitely. As is typical, I did not receive a schizophrenia diagnosis at first. I struggled as early as my primary years and received my first diagnosis of depression at just 17. In the following two years, I also received the diagnoses of anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, and borderline personality disorder. There is a progression of symptoms with schizophrenia. So early on, there were times of confusion and disorientation, difficulty with routine tasks, some social disconnect, but come then a season in my 20s with many changes this increase in stress came with a sharp increase in symptoms. Hallucinations became much more prevalent. I saw centipedes all over the floor and walls, smelled trash when there was none, felt that I was being bitten by rats. You mentioned the testimony I shared at the CCF conference, and I touched on that season. I rarely left the house. I didn't dress properly. I felt constant anguish, and I continually told my husband, I can't think. Wow, Tara, that must have been so frightening and overwhelming to feel in constant anguish. That season ended. Life looks much different now. Our day-to-day follows a more steady rhythm and routine. Our schedule is full of fellowship, school, typical housework family fun, and helping others as we can. Still, the lot the Lord has given me 
is that I do experience symptoms of schizophrenia every day. It waxes and wanes. Some are more interruptive than others. I continue to hallucinate. I hear children screaming, crying, asking for help. I see flashing lights and giant spiders. I smell dirty diapers when we are well beyond that stage. That must create a lot of confusion for you, especially with your own children, discerning whether things are real or a hallucination. It does. And I have learned strategies through the care that I have received to distinguish what is real and what is not and what to do when that becomes a bit fuzzy and how to move forward. But even more crippling for me than the hallucinations in this season is the disorganization of my thoughts. I describe it as looking at puzzle pieces that I can't fit together. I can think ideas, but not reach them in my own mind. My own brain work feels out of my grasp. Scheduling, prioritizing, and making decisions more often than not seem impossible. It takes a tediously extended time for me to follow steps. Mm. Cooking meals, bathroom routines, packing a van to go out are laboriously long tasks. My husband will tell you we try to do life with less moving parts because each part becomes a time-consuming event. You know, I didn't realize that some of the simple tasks that many of us take for granted, like scheduling and prioritizing and cooking meals, could be so disrupted by schizophrenia and the disorganization of your thoughts. Crystal, I... I do want to point out that this is our third attempt at recording this podcast. I thank the Lord for this recent illustration, though I ache for you in it, but it is so accurate. You offered a time to record. I committed and then fell apart in preparation. I couldn't order my words and I couldn't order my time. You compassionately and and kindly are willing to re-record. And I just want to point out the accommodation you are making and the flexibility you are offering are incredibly vital and necessary in interacting with and in relationship um, with those of us with schizophrenia. It's not efficient. It's seemingly inconvenient. It can be exasperating, frustrating, even infuriating for both the person with limitation and those wanting to engage and befriend. And lies come up. You know, you start to think it doesn't even matter. Mm. There's there's no point. And temptations are seen. Like it would be a thousand times easier to not even try to to just quit. And and questions surface, you know, which which is can't for a person and which is won't. Will it ever end? Will we ever have a break? You know, will Will I, will she, will he ever improve or recover? You see, Crystal, you see the predicament. So your willingness to stay in through recording this podcast is gospel care and the essence of this podcast. You are making room for weakness and limitation. You are making room for assistance and contribution. And that is Christlikeness. 
we have worked through having this conversation and yet (laughs) this is the reality of friendship, right? This is the reality Mm -hmm. of linking arms together as the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. I just want to share how much I appreciate you affirming that. And yet this is life, right? This is what we do. Yes. This is my everyday. Yeah. This is, (laughs) this is my everyday and for the people around me. And it is because schizophrenia is debilitating. It's a devastating diagnosis for many. I always say it's not my diagnosis, but our diagnosis, because it truly impacts every relationship and every interaction There is not a person close to me that symptoms or the effects of symptoms have not rubbed up against. My husband, my children, my parents, our families and friends, providers have all been burned by the wildfires of schizophrenia. My children are now even at the age to know I hallucinate. Mm -hmm. And that is a painful reality. I didn't realize that you face that challenge every day. Our path forward is gospel hope. We move towards Jesus Christ. We move in Jesus Christ. Who have we but him? Mm -hmm. Schizophrenia is not going away. The list of dreams lost, goals not attained, plans interrupted is not getting shorter. This is ongoing trial that does not have an earthly end. Education stops quickly when crisis hits. Careers end abruptly with episodes. Schizophrenia does not follow our holiday calendar, and it easily takes over dinner plans, birthdays, family vacations, weddings. It would feel vain without the love of our Heavenly Father. He gives meaning to the cycles of episodes that are disruptive to schedules and damaging to relationships. He provides comfort in the loneliness and despair in hospital rooms because joyous, happy celebrations brought stress that triggered symptoms. He sustains what the strength needed to reply to a text, even though words are few and the response can take 45 minutes to write. Mm. He gives the grace sufficient to endure terrifying hallucinations, waking nightmares, and violent threats. And he gives the identity of child to an outcast. God offers promise of a present and eternal future with him after years of feeling useless, worthless, not enough, and left behind. Well, Tara, thank you for taking the time to give us a deeper glimpse of your life, your life as a woman who battles hallucinations and a woman who fights for clarity in thought. You live a, you know, from the outside looking in, a typical life. You homeschool, you swim laps at the pool, you play (laughs) games with your kids, and yet schizophrenia is woven into the fabric of each day. And what I hear Mm -hmm. you saying over and over again is, but God cares for you but God is sustaining you, but his grace is helping you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. You cling to his love. And I think, you know, in this life, even though we face many challenges, the Lord Jesus Christ is our foundation. He is our sustainer. He is the rock upon which we can stand. 
And so, you know, when I think about mental illness and specifically schizophrenia, we hear from many friends of people with schizophrenia or loved ones who are looking to our organization for help, especially for treatment. I would just be curious to know if you would be willing to share the types of treatments you've pursued to manage some of the symptoms of your schizophrenia, which you say are progressive and sounds like they change throughout seasons. For sure. In gratitude and testimony and vulnerability and lament. I do want to say treatment has pursued me, both long-term and short-term, helpful and unhelpful, more choice and, and less choice. Jesus Christ is called the great physician with reason. As a shield about me, he protects. As my glory, he gives significance and purpose. As the lifter of my head, he enlivens and energizes What God has set in place is our first line of defense with this illness. Time outside in his creation, fresh air, and considering what God has made orients us to who the Lord is, his supremacy. We are invited to sing with the trees and God's word sobers us. Our passions and pangs come to rest. Prayer focuses us. We see beyond ourselves, our terrors, our losses, our indifference, and our defeat. And God's people, as you said, the Lord has blessed me with 17 years at Mission Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They are my family, my place to belong. They are people I value and they value me. That's vital. In the experience of schizophrenia, there is less relatable material. I will not and cannot meet the same expectations as other people do. I cannot pursue certain levels of education. I cannot work particular jobs. I've tried. There are limitations and it's unwise. But in God's household, each person is indispensable. We have one aim. As we seek to glorify God, he gives significance to every part of our lives. Who we are and what we do matter As we mutually care for one another and seeking lives well-lived, we take interest and participate in the happenings of each other's lives. And schizophrenia is a dominating happening of my life. Yeah, that is so good. As they've entered in, many in my church family have become a crucial part of my support team. And four individuals have stepped into more specific roles, who I appreciate as members of my treatment team at large. Pastor Ed Bly expends himself in providing weekly pastoral counseling and care. His wife, Joyce, offers me assistance, teaching, and accountability in my responsibilities as a wife and as a parent. Natalie orients me by answering questions. She also helps me prioritize and schedule and she corrects inaccurate narratives of how I'm perceiving certain situations and relationships. Betty educates me on how to walk in a worthy manner to pursue what God has called me to and to avoid what I am not called to and to care for others with the same compassion and honesty with which I've received. Each minister to our family, but sensitivity and awareness of the details of my disability 
it's important to note that these specific folks from my church family are not alone in helping us. Members of my small group and many others pour into us through friendship, prayer, and meeting practical needs. But Pastor Ed, Joyce, Natalie, and Betty are specific to knowing treatment plans, appointment details, and changes in symptoms. They each hold a valuable seat on the treatment team and give important voice in decision-making. You know, and what I think is great about that is they have specific ways that they are speaking into your life. And that's a blessing for you, but also for them, because Mm -hmm. I think there's a sense in the body of Christ for helpers where when we know the role that we play and we know that someone else is also going to step in with us and we can link arms together, that's very strengthening so that we don't feel overwhelmed or, you know, I've heard this from counselors. I can't know everything. I don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And so there's a sense where the more people who are coming together, the better for you and your family and the better for the body. I think that's why we all need to really identify where we're gifted and what God's calling us to. And I know Dr. Todd Stride is is in your life as well. Yes, yes. He has now counseled me for over six years. He stays closely attuned to my symptoms, my relationships, and my beliefs. He quickly recognizes patterns and anticipates needs He makes recommendations that prepare us against the onslaught of instability and disruption. Todd encourages me towards others and away from isolation and withdrawal. Mm. He places high value on involvement with my church family, participation in my extended family, and interaction in the community. Yet, as in every area, he never coerces me with guilt or manipulation. It's always more of a beckoning and inviting. He does this by listening to my fears and hesitations, understanding their history and teaching me how they took root and leading me out of the strongholds with truth and support. Mm. Medically, I have received an overwhelming kindness with a doctor providing me care. And I am very sensitive to the rarity that is an opportunity not everyone receives. Dr. John Applegate in Philadelphia is the psychiatrist who oversees my treatment. How blessed I am. Dr. A is highly skilled in his profession and undoubtedly extremely knowledgeable in his understanding of the human brain, body, and spirit. Dr. A sees my complete person because my interests, relationships, and pursuits matter to him. He values my quality of life. He is very creative and innovative in addressing symptoms. We've tried multiple medications to alleviate distress and reduce maladies. Dr. Applegate explains information to me at the level of comprehension and capacity I have for that moment, which changes. He never belittles me if I'm not understanding his words or making sense of my own He takes those specific opportunities to teach me about the brain, medicine, and my identity in Jesus Christ. Dr. A sees beyond the pushback. He sees my dread, my despondence, and my sorrow. Dr. A ministers to my soul 
in affirming God's commitment to me as his daughter, who he promises to protect, nurture, and love. Amen. In addition to the consistent, steady, ongoing treatment these devoted helpers offer, I have endured 10 inpatient stays. That is typical for a person with schizophrenia. Not for everyone, but for for many. There are many hospitalizations. And what they look like vary. I have experienced hospitalizations in psychiatric units, in public and private institutions, modern behavioral health facilities, and residential dorms. The stays vary by length of time from days to weeks, even months. I've also attended outpatient programs, day programs, and support groups. I maintain open communication with my primary care physician, and she is made aware of any changes and updates. She also reinforces the direction from the treatment team and affirms the decided upon plan. There's a lot of working together between the church and between helpers. And that's a wonderful gift, especially as you've been at your church for 17 years, people know you. And Mm -hmm. to know that you've given permission for them to communicate and to see you day in and day out. For you, I mean, it's. I think it's a rare thing to have your church members involved along with your physicians and to have a psychiatrist who is a firm believer in Christ and is affirming the truths about God to you. That is such a gift. And Tara, because you're so involved with your church, I know people are aware, not just those who are helping you, but in your general congregation that you live with a mental illness. And I think you mentioned that people who struggle with mental illness issues have come to you for advice and help. So what's it been like to walk with others through their own journey with mental illness? Helping others is always a privilege and blessing. I'm so grateful that those afflicted and those caring for them have taken the brave and vulnerable steps of sharing. There's a lot of risk and a high cost to trusting someone with your stories, questions, your frustrations and sorrows. Mm -hmm. Most folks have at least a few memories of times when they shared in the past and it didn't go well. Mm -hmm. They felt misunderstood or judged. Maybe they weren't dignified with confidentiality or they were neglected and ignored afterwards. But I've learned that people want to be honest and open. They want to be known. Believers especially want to heal. They want to make God-honoring decisions and confess sin and choose repentance. So they long to persevere and to further the gospel. They are simply looking for help. It becomes about being a person who is actually helpful. We want to become a person that offers acceptance safety, and respect. I want my own prayer life to be vibrant. I want to turn to God's word for answers to my own heart cries. I want the Lord to increase my belief, not so I know more, but so I trust more. I want to model what it looks like to turn to God in the deep struggles of turmoil, rage, panic, and apathy. 
when offering help to a person who is fragile or in distress, terror stricken or floundering, we must consider our own abilities and availability at the time. I feel this keenly in helping others. My church provides me with a thorough biblical education and is a place of strong community. So I've long since learned the responsibility we have for one another. The Lord has allowed me to experience such hardship with mental illness and to go through the system, so to speak. And I have a lot of knowledge of crisis care and treatment plans. Additionally, I have been tried on over two dozen medications and even more combinations of those over three decades. So I am familiar with many prescriptions and side effects. And I am taught personally by those who counsel. So I can offer understanding information and resources. And I know which questions to ask because I often know what's not being said Hmm. or make suggestions because I have an idea of the pitfalls and options ahead. But the care and help I give mirrors the same disruptions as other areas of my personal life. My helping relationships are likewise affected by symptoms, interruptions, and an inconsistent pace. I have found, though, that far more often than not, in the same way God allows anyone to serve when beset with their own weakness and iniquity, we do so together in community with multiple support people to avoid a need going unmet or someone who is offering assistance slipping into exhaustion. So I try very quickly when engaging with someone to establish a plural of relationships for that reason. It is especially important when a person is not connected to a local church community. If they are disinterested or against it, then we look to public support groups or even online forums. And if family is a possibility for connection points, we pursue that. But often when a person is that isolated, particularly with a mental illness diagnosis, reconnecting with family members is more involved. It requires more time and planning, and it is a crucial step, but not the first step in a relationship. Yeah. I mean, you said so many really key things when coming alongside someone else who deals with a mental illness diagnosis. I mean, I just think of your own experience, the truth of how God allows us to go through difficult times and offers us his grace and comfort so that we may comfort others in that like manner. And so although you've described schizophrenia as an affliction to you, Tara, you've also been able to support others walking through difficult diagnosis in a way that is unique because you understand, you can relate, you can see through the gray matter to offer support. And even just having such deep connections with your church is such a strength. You understand the spiritual battle that you're in, but also what it's like to go through the system, what it's like to navigate doctor after doctor, new people who don't know you, the paperwork, the trips to the hospital, all of that 
can be very overwhelming. And what a gift you must be to others who are facing such difficult diagnosis. You know, one of the things that you've shared with me is your hope in heaven. I mean, you live daily with the hope of Christ. So when you think about your future, Tara, how do you keep a hopeful spirit knowing God may not heal you in this lifetime? I don't. (laughs) It would be dishonest and misleading for me to ever communicate. I don't struggle with hopelessness, Mm. but the Lord is teaching me the wide gap between I have hopelessness or I feel hopelessness and I am hopeless. Mm. I so appreciate the words God gives us in Psalm 73. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That is my testimony. And that is my story. God rescues, God delivers every time. I do despair. I do worry, but God is my shepherd. He cares for me deeply in those. He he knows my heart is prone to fret and prone to fear. You know, I think through what is the long-term impact on my kids? Will our marriage survive? How can I serve others when I am so in need myself? And there is real grief. I had to leave work. I couldn't finish school. I cannot hold a formal ministry position. These represent a loss of relationships and a loss of abilities. And it's not just my loss. Others also need to grieve what they wanted and expected for me and for themselves, especially family. The Lord calls us to cry out, to take courage, to trust. The losses themselves reach far ahead in days to come. So does the illness. And we're looking at future need and dependency, ongoing trial, more pain and more exhaustion. I am blessed. The Lord and his people have taught me a number of ways to take my soul to task with God's word and commit myself to him through very practical steps. I lament. I bring myself to God with his Psalms and rest in the one who is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I participate. I take interest in others and celebrate the one who daily bears us up and gives power and strength to his people. I follow. I come under God-appointed counsel and abide in the one who holds my hand and says, fear not, I am the one who helps you. I remember, I recount God's deeds in our lives and his wonders of old to find refuge in the one who takes thought for his people. I entrust, I commend my children to the one who searches, rescues, brings back, binds up, strengthens, destroys, feeds, and shepherds. And I commit, I submit my future to the one who is mediator of a new covenant with gratitude to live in his kingdom that cannot be shaken. The Lord has set his seal upon us. He will always turn us back towards him. He will always receive us. Jesus promised all that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, 
I will never cast out. That's right. That is one of my favorite promises that he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That no one can snatch us from the Father's hand that he set his love upon us and he set his love upon you, Tara. You know, I just really appreciate this last segment that you answered because what I'm hearing is that you are hand in hand with people who love the Lord, who can speak truth into your life. And you are clinging to God's provision of doctors and care providers through the ups and downs of schizophrenia. But you've also made choices and commitments to do and obey what God has called you to do. And in that, He blesses you. You lament, you participate, you follow, you remember what God has done, and you commit your future to the one who is the mediator of a new covenant. And I know you live in gratitude to Him. So, Tara, we just appreciate you sharing so transparently on the podcast today. And we just pray that God continues to cover you in your life. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you've been inspired, please send me a message or leave a five-star review on your favorite app. That's a great way to help other people find encouragement from these conversations. And to get our next episode automatically, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Crystal Keating, and thank you for listening to the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast. Podcast.